Welcome to Streamable, the podcast about the best streaming content out there. We're going to be reviewing shows and movies from Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney+, Peacock, whatever other services they come up with. So sit back, listen to our review, and then you can tell us how wrong we are on Twitter. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Brett. And together we have over 57 years of movie watching experience. Wait, we were watching movies when we were born? Shh, shut up. So today we're going to be going over uh, a Hulu original, which is the first one we're going over so far, uh, Reprisal. We're just going to be reviewing episode one. The title is The Tale of Harold Horpus. And it's a show starring uh, Abigail Spencer, uh, Ron Mina Perlman, Masad. and yeah, Mina Masood, I think is his name. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone else recognizable, but... Yeah, basically I, I don't think Ron Perlman is necessarily starring. He seems like a secondary character, but anyway, right. we'll go through I'll it. Please, Marnet. I always want more Ron Perlman. So it starts with Abigail Spencer, whose character name is Catherine, driving out to somewhere, some field or something, where two guys are bagging up bodies basically there's like 10 dead people there yeah with like weird happy faces on the bags yeah that was like that was my first clue to that there was something a little odd like this wasn't it so they immediately establish it as like being the 1950s based on the car and the music and what she's wearing and all of that right right but that part is kind of like eh, maybe there's a little something else and we'll talk about our theories in a minute, but yeah, that didn't feel like it would be a normal thing for it. it you you learn very quickly it's a gang, basically. That I thought it was the Joker gang because of the happy faces. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the prequel to Joker. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. So Catherine goes and confronts her brother Bert, and. She's just like, you know, this isn't what I thought you were going to build. And, you know, I don't want to be part of this anymore. I'm going to go tell someone. And then they decide to drag her behind their car with a chain. Yep. And that's it. And then it cuts to some years later. And she's blonde now. And not dead. Right. The assumption was that they were going to drag her to her death. And she's seemingly fine. But she's going by Doris. She is blonde. We find out she's in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it ever said, but I think they're in like the Carolinas or something. The other kind of side of the story is is in the south. Okay. Because they yeah, do no, say I... it's they do say it's nine hundred miles away. Okay, I, I didn't know where it was, because I don't think it does say it anywhere. There's no title card. Something said Carolina. I don't know why it was led to Carolinas, but somewhere in the south. I missed it if someone said it. Uh, But she's kind of tending to this guy, who you find out is Tommy, her husband of eight years. 
So there's been a huge time jump because she's been married for eight years, so has seemingly been in Detroit for longer. But her husband, Tommy, is dying, seemingly. I mean, they have a bunch of people come over to the house, and it's like saying goodbye to him, I guess. Yeah, it's like a wake for somebody who's not dead yet. Yeah, a little weird, but whatever. And, and she has that... The... We're introduced to Tommy's son there, Colin. And his wife, Molly. And she and Catherine have this weird, like, exchange. Basically, they're the wives of gangsters. So they're kind of like, yeah, this isn't the life I wanted. Right. And they go to... uh, Does it cut ahead here? What do you mean? Uh, Cuts to the restaurant. Does it cut directly to the restaurant, or do we do we jump to the other side of the story? Actually, I don't uh, remember. Based on the order of my notes, no. Okay. Well, yeah, so, we're, then we're at the restaurant. We're at Tommy's. It's the name of the restaurant. And then that's where we meet um, Ron Perlman's character, who is... Uh, Lander Big, Big Graham. Big Graham, who is, like, some sort of mob boss, I guess. Well, so... Uh, he says, like, oh, Tommy gave me my first job and all that stuff. I still got the impression that he worked for Tommy? I don't know. I didn't really get the relationship in terms of the organization, because... So, because later she, in that scene, she says that Tommy lets you basically funnel your dirty money, right? So, like, so Tommy's business was apparently legit, and then became a money laundering thing because also uh she mentions that the son is now running with gangsters so i I think the thing was like that tommy helped out graham give him his job and everything but then he got involved with the mob and everything and then when he came back to tommy about this kind of thing tommy let him launder the money through the the restaurant so i i don't know if he was necessarily a gangster himself uh, I think he was, because of the conversation they have near the end. Mm. We'll come back to it. Anyway, Doris, which is what Catherine is going as, if I didn't mention that already, is basically taking over the restaurant. That Tommy is giving it to her in his will, and clearly Colin and Big Graham ain't happy about it. And they act like, oh, she came out of the blue and took this restaurant, but... They also say that she showed up 10 years ago. So I don't get, like, she's been around for 10 years. It's not like she was a gold digger and, like, was just came in while he was sick and waiting for him to die so she could get his money. Like, she's been with him for 10 years. Right. I mean, there's a scene later where she talks about needing that inheritance. So her plan was... Oh, she was. She. I'm pretty sure she was, but she was playing the long game. But who would suspect her of that? Ten years out. Ten years is a long time to play the gold. That is a long game. (laughs) Game. Okay. So yeah, Graham just basically is like, you don't deserve this. It should go to Colin. Uh, and she basically says like, I'm pretty sure he wanted to give it to me because he doesn't want to launder your money anymore. He wants this to be a legit business because I've grown it in the 10 years I've been here. Yeah, they're like the number one catering something in Detroit or something like that. Right. So he smacks her around. 
like they apparently did to women in the 50s. That was so disturbing to see. Yeah. Like, Ron Perlman, giant dude, Abigail Spencer, pretty petite woman, full-on, like, full-hand, just smack almost to the ground. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Also, wait, if it's been 10 years, is this now the 60s? I don't know. It's weird. It's Yes? I don't know what the context of the news report was. That was one of the things I didn't get. It seemed super random. I don't understand. Some sort of, like, what, nuclear what, activity? <laughs> well, that's what weird. I thought. That's what I kind of thought. I was like, oh, Cold War, Russians, someone's testing a nuke. That kind of established it as the 60s. But I kind of think it might have been something else. We'll come back. Anyway, yes, presumably it is probably the 60s-ish now. But they smack her around, and she ends up just signing over the restaurant because she's literally powerless against them, and they will just kill her. And that's it. They have the signed paper, they leave. Uh, and then it kind of randomly cuts back to, I'm just going to say Carolina. I assume that's where it is again. And Ethan uh, shows up, Mina Massad. Uh is on a phone call in a, in a phone booth and then goes to some random diner and then gets picked up by some random guy. Just yeah, kind of which he knows because on the phone he's like, how am I going to know who you are? I'm the guy just hangs up on him. Well, it's, he's in the a diner in the middle of nowhere. You know who he is because he's the only other person that shows up to that diner. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But yeah, like it, his character is just so strange and comes out of the blue and then is like taken into this club, Bangarang, Bert's Bangarang. Bert's Bangarang. And because you heard the name Bert earlier, it's kind of, okay, this is Catherine, a.k.a. Doris's brother, and he's clearly, you know, grown whatever gang he had and now has a strip club, basically. Apparently multiple ones. Well, yeah, they, they mentioned that later. Also, uh, bangarang is ruined for me as a word because of hook. Because <laughs> that's what yeah, I thought of immediately. immediately. What I thought of, I was like, wow, that's weird. But I, maybe that's something they said back in the 60s, I think. I don't know. It's weird. I know they say it in Neverland, though. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but then they kind of, they they reaffirm that it's the same gang by showing the jacket, which is, um, the symbol is like a skull on spider legs. And the gang is called the Banished Brawlers. Yeah. So. Their shirts look like mechanic shirts. That's weird. Well, yeah, but they have the jean jackets, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty typical 60s shit. So they, Ethan goes into this strip club, and then they show the stripper, Meredith, kind of randomly. It's like, okay, what did they call her? Like, Daddy's Girl or something like that? Yeah, Daddy's Girl, and she got mad so, about it. They never say it explicitly. I assume she's Bert's daughter. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I was either thinking she was Bert's daughter or, like, Bert's girl. I don't know. It was weird. Because they, they say she's Tethered. It's not age. That would be a little weird. I don't know, man. Creepy, young. creepy dudes in power and stuff. And... Yeah, I guess. But they take Ethan... And one of the guys just kind of has a once-over of him and is like, oh, he's fragile. Like, I mean, he was kind of a small guy, but they take him to 
I guess just kind of a shop. It looks like a mechanic shop. Mm-hmm. Sit him down and ask him, why do you want to be here? Basically, like, I don't know. I don't even know where here is. <laughs> he answers in such a shitty way, too. Like, uh, yeah, I thought uh, it would be a good way to make money. <laughs> don't join a gang to make money. But so uh, the banished brawlers are like the main gang and he's joining like the the tier below uh one of the guys later literally calls them pledges for the brawlers they're called the three river phoenixes and river phoenixes i I don't know it's a really weird name were they a fan of river phoenix (laughs) like that that name just makes me think of river phoenix like it was weird i don't i don't know well the other thing was the name phoenixes was making me consider whether or not they would have some sort of relationship with Catherine if we assume that she might have, like, kind of sort of maybe died but not died. She's kind of like a phoenix. Well, also, phoenixes. banished brawlers is kind of weird. So, yeah. uh, I mean, oh, and also the gang that they go up against is the Ghouls, which is the weirdest name ever for a gang, right? Maybe they like to feed on the flesh of living people. <laughs> well, so, I mean, we can kind of get into it here. She's been, whatever, for ten years, hiding out in Detroit, but she was presumably dragged to her death by a car, and she's totally fine. She also, yeah. I don't know if she didn't age or if they just, I mean, she kind of seemed a little younger, like maybe they tried in the initial scene, but I don't know, maybe she hasn't aged at all. Oh, yeah, I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but, I mean, yeah, to me, I, I took it as she, she literally didn't age. So, again, having only seen the pilot, it seems like maybe there's a bit of a supernatural twist here, which is not shown in the pilot at all, by the way. But, no. again, she was fine. There's some weird symbols and stuff like that, banished brawlers, phoenixes, ghouls, and the thing on the TV, like, comes back at the very end she was like staring intently at it again and it's i I forget what the report is there's just like a light shown on the globe like oh there's some weird activity here yeah i don't know i feel like that's all some sort of supernatural thing i i think so too because like not only that uh the other part we haven't touched on yet was there's a scene with that's that's that near the very end so we'll come back to that too because that'll we just think it's supernatural. We'll say specifically what we think it is in a minute. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there has to be something supernatural. Because uh, unless they're just really into making obscure references to mythical creatures and monsters. Yeah. No gangs were named that in the, in the 1950s and 60s. I can guarantee that. Well, anyway. Even like uh, even in the beginning, when she's talking to her husband, he mentions her at the library reading books. But then he mentions, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, I forget the book you were reading, and she's like, oh, she basically like skirts the question. Right. He's like the Necronomicon. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, Ethan is trying to join this gang. They decide that his initiation is going into a bar with a rival gang and fighting them with brass knuckles. 
I mean, to be honest, that's a good initiation for a guy that they considered is uh, too like fragile or like nothing. So like, it shows that he's willing to to kind of scuffle up against big uh, people. But the guy he fights has brass knuckles with fucking like razors on them, and he gets full on stabbed. Nah, he just got stuck. stuck not Sorry, stabbed. Stuck. Yeah. So again, that was another thing. He got stabbed in the shoulder and in the gut with. I mean, it was like an inch long. They were that, little spikes. And yeah. there was four of them. In your yeah. intestine... It depends on where he got hit. I think so, it'd be fine. Whatever. They get, they they lose the fight. Um, Ethan, Marty, who's kind of the guy initiating him. Or Maddie. Maddie, Maddie, Maddie not Stupid. Marty. iOS typo. Anyway. Marty's in the, in the DeLorean. Yeah, he's back to the future. And Johnson get their asses kicked, and they're like, yeah, stay out of out of our bar this is our turf blah 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 johnson seemingly doesn't get his kick. <laughs> he kind of just oh yeah walks he, he literally walks out of the bar so again how he was fighting he pulled a, a cue stick on someone no, I, I just took it to mean that he was actually the only one that was a good fighter because yeah he was beating up on people but you but can't ethan expect three gets, guys to take out a bar of ethan of gang what well, was three versus five they said there's five of them in there anyway uh, Ethan gets stabbed, and Mandy's just like, ah, you just got stuck. Johnson's great with gauze. And they, like, pass that off. Again, supernatural? Like, you would not just recover from those wounds and be fine. I don't know. It depends. It depends. On, maybe the, the spikes looked deeper than than uh, than they actually were. Whatever. Anyway, he proves himself. They... Uh, and then there's kind of a voiceover. Maddie's kind of explaining what they do. They basically run the business side and launder the money and all of that for the banished brawlers. And they I mean, are kind they're, of they're they're the errand boys. Yeah, they're they're trying to be initiated into the larger gang. Uh, but they go around to the seven bangerangs that they have, the seven clubs, uh, and go around to like it seemed like a dry cleaner and like other businesses where they literally launder money. Mm-hmm. But they show. Oh, plus, all these clubs are apparently secret. You have to uh, go through a checkpoint right, in order to be allowed into them. them. And, yeah. But they go back to the main one, Bert's Bangerang, the first one. And they get called out for starting this bar fight and saying, you know, they were like, there was a truce. You weren't supposed to do anything. But they argue with, I forget his name. The one that was basically the nephew of Bert. It was like Adrian or something like that. Something with an A. Doesn't matter. Bert's nephew got into the brawlers in just left, just being with the Phoenixes for a few months. And Maddie's super pissed because he's been there yeah, like seven years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah. So they argue and then Ethan just smashes them with a bottle and then they fight. And then that's it. And Meredith is hitting on Ethan. And again, they kind of say, stay away from her. What did they call her? They she said like, she was tethered. Tethered. Yeah. Weird. Weird. That's word why I use. wasn't sure if it was his daughter or if it was like his his girl. Right. So I wasn't sure. I, I, are they, are I, they I, using tethered in the sense of like she's engaged? She's with someone? See, that's what I was taking it as. See, looking back, tethered 
is it something else? Something weird? I don't know. He's like soul bonded. I, so, I don't know. Warlock. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. There's something weird going on in this show. That's the only part of it that has made me curious. Anyway, back to Doris in Detroit. She meets, meets Wit, some random oh, yeah, guy, yeah. at a drive-in movie theater. And very clearly says, I'm trying to get a crew together. I've been trying to get a crew together to go after the brawlers. Yeah, or seemingly a massive gang, by the way. And he's like, yeah, you don't have any money, so who the hell is going to go with you? Which makes sense. Yeah. But he also offers a plan to, like, what if we just get the specific people that you want to get revenge on? And then she's like, nah, I want to kill everybody. Well, no, he said something about, like, we can do this without bloodshed or something. And she's like, no, I want bloodshed. Oh, yeah, yeah, Something like that. Anyway. Oh, oh yeah, whatever. That's it. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll try, whatever. You know, she still doesn't have any money. She got, you know, all the money from Tommy's will and everything. And the yeah, she had to sign it over to she had to sign it over. Uh, but she decides to take matters in her own hands because Tommy dies. Right? Mm-hmm. Did he die? I'm pretty sure he died. He's dead. Because she was talking about, she went over to Collins, but she was talking about him in the present tense. Like, she Cause... she even said, like, you have to wait until he dies to use that agreement I signed or whatever. I think she was saying it in that sense so that he wasn't like, oh, yeah, I can go do this. I, maybe she was trying to convince him to maybe, like, back down. But she murders him. Well, yeah, because he didn't in, back down. In a really weird way. Because this time part was cool. I thought that was how he was going to die. But then she let him, like, that's the weird part. So she zip-tied his hand to a chair and then zip-tied his neck. Literally just pulled the zip-tie so his throat would close, which was interesting. But then she just sat there and waited while he went and got a knife and cut his zip-tie off. And then she shot him in the neck. Why it didn't was, she just shoot him in the neck? It was to to torture him because she thrives on that. Uh, shoot him in the kneecaps then. I don't know. It was weird. Unless it has something to do with... So <laughs> Molly... What? Sorry, I thought you were going to bring us some supernatural crap here. No, no, no. I think it was... Molly, Colin's wife, just let it happen she like let him in yeah i don't think she then liked him. as yeah yeah they, they said that early on that like she just didn't give a shit basically yeah. catherine slash doris as she left just was like okay as we spoke about molly so i think she's gonna or did I, it I, have the phone ring i'm pretty sure she's gonna call the cops and because of the mark on his neck maybe that's they're gonna play that off as like he was attacked and there was a struggle and like it's a way of covering up who actually killed him maybe that's the kind of the only thing i was thinking she still also hasn't dealt with the big gram problem so i was wondering if maybe they were going to try to like pin it on them somehow that was the other thing i thought yeah is that they would blame him she did burn the agreement obviously she wasn't gonna let that stay and then the final part of the episode is her calling ethan Ethan is apparently her mole, her man on the inside. She set all this up. Right. Basically the end of the episode. She's in his phone as Chef D. So I guess she he worked at the restaurant? 
I don't know. I didn't see that. Maybe. So, yeah, it's a weird show. Let's backtrack a little bit and talk about, A, the title of the episode, the tale of Harold Horpus, and then the scene with this guy. I don't remember the character's name. I don't remember his name either. I don't know if we got his He's, name. He seems to be the second in command in the Banished Brawlers. Bert is not around. They keep saying, oh, Bert, you know, Bert will show up. Bert is gone. And Meredith is the one that's like, yeah, he's not coming anytime soon. Right. But he, the second in command guy goes home and has this conversation with his daughter. You recall it better than I do. Yeah. Um, she's supposed to be asleep. She wakes up, starts talking about like uh, these like characters and stuff about drawings. And like it, it starts off with like just inane, like childy things, like a night giraffe who's allergic to the sun. Has to stay inside this house, but uh, she brings up like a lady that does magic, and then he's like, "Is she a witch?" He's like, "No, she just does magic." She's like, "Is she a good witch?" She's like, "No, she just does magic." And then she brings up Harold Horpus, and he asks about the backstory of Harold Horpus, which she doesn't have yet, and she's like brainstorming it. But apparently, she needs to have this backstory before he'll draw. So I guess he draws these characters for her when she comes up with these fantastical stories about them. But the main reason to bring up this scene is just because of the Harold Horpus line. And then I thought, uh, with her discussing like witches and stuff, if that might be a reference to the story as a whole, and that Catherine is some sort of witch. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it fits, it makes sense. She didn't die. Now... Does her brother know that? Like, he seemingly dragged her by a chain to kill her. And then Does he, he not know that she's a witch? No, because, like, they... He says... Uh, they, they, yeah, they drag her by the chain to kill her, but in that same scene, she basically says, I'm going to come back for you. And he says, I know. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's right. Interesting. Okay. So he knew that. And, yeah, it's kind of weird... Like we said, all the other supernatural kind of things going on. One of the final scenes, the final scene, I think, is the two gangs facing off. Right, because they're supposed to have a meeting because they're of supposed the fact to meet they broke because, the truce. Right, right. They went into that bar fight, so the brawlers and the ghouls are supposed to hash it out. But it kind of seems like they're ready to go to war. I actually don't remember the last part of that scene. I wasn't paying that much attention at the end of that episode. They're just staring each other down, basically. Okay. Well, because at one point, when the the second-in-command dude's pissed at Maddie, he basically says, like, you know, why don't we just... We might just have to turn you over to them. Like, because they're the ones who fucked up. It's like, these are the guys that fucked up. You guys can do whatever they want to them. So there's also a chance that that could happen, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, it's just... Seemingly, maybe there's some sort of supernatural thing. There's some sort of supernatural war, not just, you know, gangs of humans... And again, Catherine slash Doris, when she was talking to Ethan and telling him like, oh, keep your you know eyes and ears open and whatever, she's watching the same program on the news of this weird, all it is is a weird like red and yellow spot somewhere on the globe. Yeah, that part's still weird. I don't understand what the hell that's supposed to be. I think just something supernatural. The only other thing I wanted to mention too was Meredith, the stripper, was like peddling drugs kind of figured it was just like cocaine or something 
I forget what she called it. But then the guy, the second in command, was like super pissed that she had it. And she's like, yeah, you can't have these toxins in here. Which is like the weirdest thing ever, because if it was cocaine, like everyone would be like, yeah, cocaine, whatever. So well, I don't know, like if, if you go back and watch like a bunch of old mob movies and stuff like they they especially in like the 50s and 60s, like the big mob bosses wouldn't want to touch like the, the hard like drug shit. Like it was always like the newer ones, like. Like, I recently was watching Goodfellas. Like, the big thing was, like, they didn't want to touch fucking cocaine. I don't think it was cocaine, though. No, no, no. I mean, it's probably some sort of weird, special, in-universe drug of some kind. Right. Like, you know, Toad's feet or Newt. I have Newt. Something witchy. Sure. So, anyway, I mean, the series is called Reprisal. It's clearly all about Catherine getting her revenge. But, I mean, there's a lot more going on here, because, A, if she's a witch, why would she care that much if she was almost not killed, you know? I don't know, maybe, maybe it hurts a lot to get revived, right? I don't know. Or, I mean, it's also just the principle of the matter. Somebody killing you, it pisses you off. Sure. It's kind of a weird show. Um, you said it was really slow. It It, it felt slow to me. Like, I, I know that it was a lot of world building, but that, that's the other part. Like, even with the world building, it was way too cryptic about a bunch of stuff. Like, where it was just there was a lot of characters, too. Like, like it would be horrible Molly, for us to assume all of the supernatural shit. None of it to be in the show, too. Then it would be a really boring show. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I'm, I'm maybe, maybe we're inventing it to make the show better. I don't know. It's possible. It's not a terribly interesting show if you take it at face value, I think. And the pilot, yeah, I mean, it doesn't reveal a lot. Um, you know, it hints at things, and there's just some weird names, and the fact that she's fine is, like, the only real hints you have to anything. I am curious about what the show is, but probably not curious enough to keep watching it. That's about like, how I feel. I'll read a synopsis and be like, oh, okay. And then I'll be fine. Like, I don't know. I I kind of want to give it one more episode to see if it actually delves into, hopefully, this supernatural subplot. But Otherwise, yeah. it's like a season-long arc that they... Yeah, that would kind of suck. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it was it was a weird, weird show. And I honestly don't know if I can recommend it. Yeah. Maybe we'll read a synopsis and see where it goes. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to spoil things. We all we we've only watched the pilot and we've just assumed all of this stuff, so you can piece it together yourself. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's not quite there for me. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's the only like new Hulu original that we've gotten that's not a new season so far. Yeah, Hulu's Hulu's kind of lacking. Although they also have Castle Rock. I'm just not into Stephen King stuff, but... That's also, like, a season two. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, and they have a bunch of shows. The show they had come out, I think, this this year. Yeah, weird. So, this may be the only Hulu thing we do. Hopefully not. I think think since a bunch of their stuff is hitting season three, and usually they don't want to renew their contracts and give people more money, they'll come up with new shows. 
I mean, they've already said that, like, there's two or three shows ending, I think. Yeah, like, Runaways is on season three, I think. Uh, I think. But is it for sure ending? I don't know. But okay. a lot of a lot of the streaming shows end at season three because that's around where the new streaming contract has to come in and right. people start making way too much money. But also the other problem is Disney owns Hulu, so they might just be pushing the Disney shows now, so we won't get any new Hulu content. Uh, I mean, I think they could push Fox properties onto Hulu. I think they should because I think Hulu should be able to have R-rated content since Disney's staying at PG-13. Maybe. We'll see. Well, anyways, yeah. this this show can't really recommend. Uh, Don't go out and buy Hulu for this for sure. Yeah, if you already have it and got some morbid curiosity and and I guess like an hour to kill, I guess give it a shot. I'll see if I'm feeling up to another episode and hopefully there's some some witchcraft in there. Otherwise, go read the synopsis. <laughs> All right. So later this week, Friday, The Mandalorian comes out on Wednesday this week because Rise of Skywalker comes out on Thursday or Friday, depending on where you are. We're in Los Angeles. We get to see stuff early. Hey. But our podcast on episode chapter seven of The Mandalorian will come out Friday, so a day early. And then next week, we will probably just do The Mandalorian because Christmas and everything else... We'll just do final episode of, of Mando. Alrighty. Yep, so stay tuned and thanks. See ya. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on all the popular social media sites at StreamablePod and listen to the podcast on your favorite platforms. Please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.